This summer, we're bringing you double Koi gig. She didn't even have to break stride. It was absolutely sublime. Yeah, we were just we were... watching it on repeat, yeah. like just yeah. over and over again. <laughs> yeah, and it's rightfully getting the attention it deserves. Subscribe to the OTB Koi gig pod on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. It's 21 minutes past eight. Uh, we will be talking football a little bit later on. Another crushing defeat for Chelsea. Uh, we'll talk about that through the prism of the transfer window. Uh, tomorrow is the end of transfer deadline day. And Phil Egan's going to join us after nine o'clock. If you'd like to put any questions to Phil, if you have any ideas about the transfer policy for your own team, uh, 0879-180-180 is the WhatsApp number, or you can leave a comment on the YouTube stream, or you can tweet us at Off the Ball AM. But at 21 one minutes past eight this morning, Stephen Kisby-Green, SKG, joins us for another hit about what's going wrong. Hook this stuff to our veins here in Ireland. South African rugby in crisis, beaten by Australia. How, is, how humiliating, Stephen. Is Southern Hemisphere rugby not in crisis in general? Like, they're all just beating each other. And Argentina are like... Argentina's suddenly very good in the last two weeks. Hmm? Suddenly very good in the last two weeks. Yeah, it's been great. What's hmm. happened to Safas, though? Uh, well, morning, lads. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think it's a... First of all, I don't think it's a crisis for the for Southern Hemisphere that the, every team is beating every team. It actually kind of shows that there's a level of competitiveness there that you don't really get, that you haven't really had for the past... 10, 10 years or whatever it is when the All Blacks just dominated everything. Like, it's, Apart from the World Cup, of course, with you guys. <laughs> Apart from the World Cup. I mean, we, we, we're brushing past. Like, we, we, we know that the All Blacks are the most dominant team in, in, in world rugby history. South Africa legitimately are the second most dominant. They have the second, most winning, uh, second highest winning percentage. But um, for me, it's just it, it, there's a level of competitiveness there that there hasn't been for a long time. And I think it's... It, it's it's down to the fact that the All Blacks have not been as good as they previously were. South Africa seem to be struggling a bit at the moment with, with a lot of their with, with the way that they're they're going about things. It's I, we can get, probably get onto the game plan a little bit later, but I, I feel like the way that they're, that Ninaba is evolving the game plan hasn't really been bought into by the rest of the players, maybe, or they're not fully understanding the way he wants to change it. It's not this. It's not the typical. Um, South African up and unders, and uh, we we jump for the ball, boring rugby that we played against the Lions. There is a bit of involvement, there is a bit of continuity there that you know I was trying to bring into the World Cup, and I don't think the squad has bought into that. So that kind of leads into to the Australia loss. Australia, on the other hand, played played the referee incredibly well on on Saturday. Um, I'm not saying that they did anything not, not untoward, but the way that yeah, they they kind of did, to be fair. Well, I mean, what they, what they did was they got under the South African skin by pushing the boundaries. Very Richie McCall-like tactics where they they made sure to, to check that everything that they were doing was okay with the referee and the referee's okay with it then you play on. Yeah. And South Africa didn't didn't cope with that well enough. So like it's very well coached, very well drilled tactics from the Australians. It's a very nasty championship when it comes to everybody <laughs> bitching and whining about yeah. the referees and each other's tactics. It's fantastic. It is like, it is absolutely fantastic to watch this. Uh, check out winding up the All Blacks and the All Blacks taking every second of it. Now, I didn't realise that the Australians had done the same to South Africa. Bear in mind, Australia had shipped like six, seven tries the previous week to Argentina. They were like one from eight going into the game or something like that. They They'd lost a lot of games. Massive injury crisis mm. and South Africa are supposed to be like uh, riding the crest of a wave, big, big deep panel, but also in a bit of a, a crisis, like having just been beaten by the worst All Blacks team ever, according to the All Blacks, certainly the All Blacks media. So what... What, like, what's your take on what's going on with this South African team? Is this just about them 
uh, cycling through a bunch of players a year out from a World Cup, happy in the knowledge that they have a winning formula if they need to fall back on it, and trying therefore to have a plan B. Because that's what it looks like in the macro terms, is that you have a genius coaching ticket, you've got a core of brilliant players who know exactly what it takes to win under pressure, and that they can fall back on that, but actually it's better to try and uh, guess that the future won't be as successful if you stay the same. I, I mean, I don't think it's so much that they're trying to find a plan B as much as they're trying to evolve plan A into plan A+. plus. So you, you can argue that the, the All Blacks uh, is made up of largely the similar, similar sort of structures. They, they're made up of a, of a bunch of brilliant players on, on paper who have won World Cups. I mean, you've got some of the oldest forwards in world rugby currently playing for the All Blacks right now. Uh, you've got Bowden Barrett and Richie Moonga. Like it's a name, it's a, it's a team of big names, and yet, as you rightfully point out, it's the worst All Blacks team in history, because the, the like the the quality and class is there, but the way that they're gelling together, it's not automatically a coach's problem, but it's a there seems to be a player problem as well. Like the attitude is not there now. To, to, say, to throw that onto South Africa, I'm not saying that South African attitude's not right, but. This, the, the just having the players that have been there, done that, won the World Cup, and you know that they've got a winning quality and winning a winning um, uh, sort of structure there, doesn't it automatically bring into the fact that it will automatically win you the World Cup if you rely on that? And I think at the moment it's more um, Ninaba is trying. Like, like, if you look at the way they played against Australia, they they held onto the ball a lot more. And they don't look comfortable with nearly as much possession as they had in the first half. They spent 20 minutes in that in, in, of, of that first half in Australia's 22, and they didn't score a try. You can't do that at international level at, at, against any team. It doesn't matter who it is, but especially not against Australia in Australia, where they haven't won in. I actually don't even know what the what the. It was an appalling had. record. It's gone back it, a little, like. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, really? yeah. It, 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 it was, was bizarrely. Record. It was our talk about Matt Williams Monday night. It's just been a long time. Why? I can't remember I, the exact. I, I, I think it's 2012. Right. I, I mean, I could be very wrong there. But we've I, even beaten them. She <laughs> said. Yeah. Uh, so okay, but is, is the whole point that if you're trying to evolve Plan A to A plus, whatever it is. That that takes time, and that that's what they're doing. Yeah, like so I, that's okay. I mean, yeah. or is this a full blown crisis? Are, are your are your buddies in South Africa going right? New coach, well, work for us the last time. Well, the buddies in South Africa are um, going on complete and total tangents, blaming the referee, saying that they that, that um, Paul Williams uh, r- r- basically cost the, the the game, which is actually. Don't, do not get me started on that one. Um, <laughs> everything that the coaching structure does right is apparently Rossi Erasmus, and everything that is, goes wrong is Jagni Nabe. He's a genius. Rossi is, is a genius. Which is odd considering that Rossi is actually not involved in the day-to-day running of the Springboks. Do we believe that? Uh, you can believe it or not. It's actually factually correct. But is it really? When you say he's yes. not involved in the day-to-day running... like So, so, so what he does is... They're best mates. They're good friends, and I'm, I, guarantee, I guarantee you Nabe consults with Rossi on, on topics and, and on game plans and Rossi has a, a say in what is going on but at the end of the day it is Nienaba's game plan it is Jacques' uh, team Jacques and Sticks and um, the other guy uh, and uh, Dion Davids and uh, Felix Jones they all are the team that put together what goes out on the pitch Rossi shows up for um, uh, jersey presentations and he's there for maybe one training session a week. Go, the good stuff. Yeah. Uh, but he's it, still the boss. Theory, it, it, like he's the big boss. Yeah, he's the boss. Everybody knows, oh, Razzie's in town. But, but then, better. does Razzie have the same uh, sort of power over the women's team? You would hope so. You would say so. 
and yet uh, no, nobody's talking about the women's team uh, just beating Spain 44-5 uh, in the biggest ever win over, over a team that's bigger than them. So it's, I think Rossi is more, the, he's legitimately more the overseer of everything right now because that is his role. And also, we're not, let's also not forget that he's, been, he's, still un, he's still acting out that ban. It's only in November that he's allowed to go back to Syria. Ah, okay. Well, we'll see exactly how, what day today <laughs> stuff. Uh, so, sorry, I didn't even realize that um, the ban was, I mean... Yeah, it was too... It's been such, a, such an important ban. It's really had an impact on, on everything. Maybe, maybe, that's what's, maybe that's what's missing. And the day-to-day stuff comes back in November. And then they, they go on a cascading, unbeaten run for a year and win the World Cup again. I mean, potentially. But I also, as you say, I don't think Springboks are in crisis because, as you rightfully point out, they're building this far out ahead of a World Cup. It, you would hate for a team that is so phenomenally good a year out from the World Cup to be world number one and then to go out in the quarterfinals. Yeah, Stephen, we, we know what you're doing. We, <laughs> Matt, we, Matt Williams' point was that uh, it's great that France are basically the you know the great team in the world at the moment because they play beautiful rugby. South Africa just replaced five big lads with five big lads when they need to, and they're just brutes. And they're they're bad for the game. Exactly, he said. Like you know, the, the substitute situation shouldn't be such that you can just replace lads. You could, in the old days, you could only replace lads that were basically flagging and injured. And South Africa are kind of making the best of the rules, but it's not good for rugby. Well, I mean, if everyone played the exact same style of rugby, then rugby would be bloody boring. Mm. Or it might just be this amazing, uh, you know, have it, you, it could you, be cool. Have you seen Sevens? They all play the exact same well, style sevens of rugby is, and it's glorious. Sevens is, but, I don't know um, what the point of that was. Like, why did they invent that? No, but um, the, if, if you say that uh, South Africa are ruining rugby, as uh, people have said... Um, yeah, go on. I'm paraphrasing, by the way. Yeah, well, uh, no, no. We, we've said it, don't worry. Yeah, if you're saying that South Africa is ruining rugby, um, you kind of... Also putting the players, players at a bit of a disadvantage as well, because the way that Ninaba works with his bomb squad, as he calls it, is he puts out everything. He, he, he backs the tight three, or the front three in particular, to put everything out on the pitch. They effectively kill themselves on the pitch for 40 minutes, knowing full well that after the halftime, or just before halftime, or just after halftime, they will be replaced by another, t- another set of forwards that will do the exact same thing. Now, you can't do that if... You, 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 if, if, say, you're Tyke Furlong, who plays 70 minutes of, of, of a test match, he can't go out in the first 40 and absolutely slaughter himself. It's true. Give, give all yeah. his energy, because Farrell does not trust the man coming in behind him. To well, he's not him. as good. Well, I mean, I mean I, I, like, he's not, not as good, but like, you, you would think that he would be willing to trust that the next man up is going to come in to put a, an equal amount of impact. If Furlong goes out and puts all of his energy into that first half, guarantee you he's going to get injured in the second half because he's going to be tired. He's going to be dead. He's going to be... Out it's anathema to the way the game has always been played here, I guess. You know, you, you play your best players until they're tired. Well, yeah, but like, just because... Of, but the, the, the thing, just because that's the way it's always been played does not always mean that it's the, it's the right thing. No, in fairness, you guys are taking advantage of the fact that you have multiple players who are of similar standard and so therefore there's mm. no... Uh, diminution in quality when you replace them and uh, look we, we understand the rules of engagement that's fine you guys bigger than us that's, we've got to be smarter what, that's, stars make fights exactly we are bringing knives to gunfights though sometimes it feels like who is the best team in the southern hemisphere right now though? Oh, South Africa by a mile no. is, it, is it though yes like, or is it just a little bit of a on paper you would imagine like if, if you look at each individual player on form I would legitimately say that South Africa are the best team in, in, in the southern hemisphere on, if you just pick out, pick out every single player, they have the best squad. If they played but, a competition that they all really cared about, that was like going to be the defining competition of their lives, mm. then South Africa would be smashing the other teams. Smashing. I, I do, smashing. I disagree with that. I, I don't want, that, that, that is just saying that that is not me. <laughs> Ten points. 
they'd be 10 point favourites in all those games and they'd win all those games they would smash New Zealand for it. if it was a fight for their lives tomorrow where okay. the World Cup trophy was being handed out at the end of it or if it was a three test series for like they, there's nothing else it has to be the World Cup because that's the yeah. rugby championship happens every year and they it yeah, used but, to just but, be but, the Tri-Nations and then it was four and then they're like oh can we do other stuff and it's just But South Africa genuinely care about the rugby championship because we, we haven't won it nearly as much as we should have so it's one of those competitions that w- But then you've won the World Cup more than anybody else and so therefore uh, Tied You know uh, Fair enough but the, the next time will be the one where you break the tie uh, Just very, very briefly some of the specifics about the team you have had loads of injuries I would argue that having injuries around this time is great because it means that players are going to get high-end experience, but then everybody will be fit or back to form by the time the World Cup rolls around. Yes, as of this morning, Andre Pollard and Lukanyama are both out for the rest of the championship. They've, gone, they've actually gone back to their, to their clubs, so Pollard's gone back to Leicester Tigers and Arms back to the Sharks. Um, what, what that opens the door is up for, for Damien Willemser, who's had no game time at 10 uh, this season to uh, play his first ever game at, for the Springboks at 10. And he's been probably the most exciting player in the Springboks this, this year. Um, it was sort of came. It wasn't his debut season, obviously, um, but it, it was his breakout season. If nothing else, he came into to, to, to a very struggling um, South African attack against Wales in the second half and lit it up on fire. Uh, helped them win the first test, and then um, he's been brilliant. He was brilliant against the All Blacks. And where Mugano was he well. playing there? He was playing 15 and then slotted into 12 when right. when Colby. And now he's going to play 10 this weekend. Yeah. So he, he, he um, Nabe said when he when he brought him in that he wants to be the next Francois Stein, who can play basically the utility utility back. You just wouldn't put him on the wings because he's just not quick enough. He's got the lightning feet, like the quick step, but he's just not quick enough to to to. to, to okay. So you're pretty that. excited about this. D- Damon Willems at 10 is is incredibly exciting, especially considering that we have had no one to to take the the mantle of Pollard. We do actually have a bit of a similar situation to the Johnny, Johnny Second situation, where um, Elton Yankees is the Joey Carberry in the situation. He's got all the potential in the world, and he's shown brilliance at at times. But everyone in the, everyone in the country seems to hate uh, whenever whenever Elton Yankees makes a mistake. He's always the worst thing. Um, with Pollard, whenever Pollard has a bad game, which he did against Australia, it's like, okay, cool, well, it's just the one blip, and yet those blips are becoming more and more frequent. Um, granted, he's not, he's not as old as Sexton, but nobody's taking the jersey off of him. Okay. So with, if Willemsa comes in and has a phenomenal game, he could be the Kieran Frawley to, to take over the mantle. Um, the other thing that worries me, though, is the fact that we've got Dion Faree on the bench playing hooker. Now, Dion Faree has not played hooker in three years. Uh, no, two, two years, sorry, two years. He hasn't started a game at hooker in three years, but he hasn't played, he hasn't played hooker in two years. And the idea is he wants to be, like, Ninaba wants Dion Faree to be the next Skulk Brits, which in theory makes sense because Skulk Brits played a lot of eight and a lot of hooker for Saracens, and then he played eight and hooker for the Springboks in the World Cup in 2019. But this is mad stuff, isn't it? Like, <laughs> but, the, but the flaw in that plan, though, is Skulk was playing regularly at hooker for Saracens when they and brought then, him in as a hooker. Okay, so who, who and who's Dion Fury? He's a stormer. Stormer. Right, so they can just tell so, the stormers. Yeah, so, so you, you are the champions. Um, You're going to have to play him at two now for a while. Yeah. 
uh, because jo because the Joseph Dweba experiment didn't actually work out as well as we, as we had hoped. And uh, I mean, we uh, South Africa thought that he was going to be a lot better than he. But imagine if we could out. just stick a lad from the back row and and play hooker. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> that <laughs> level of flexibility is something that's fairly sensational. Well, I mean, uh, Quacker Smith is is probably the most versatile player in the world. He can. He, I, I guarantee you, if you um, you can put him at hooker, you can put him at prop. He, he has played on the wing. He's played at centre, but he's 100 percent a, a number seven. Right. We have a lot of people who are around that shape. We just need to here. Listen, I know I know it's difficult. You got to stick your head in there, and it's not going to be very good for you. But you, you just have to do it for the team for the next while. Josh van der Fleer playing two. Uh, you know, for the last fifteen minutes of the game. Is van der Fleer not too tall to play two? Well, I don't know. How, how tall is Furry? Uh, he's a oh geez, that's, I think he's about five. Five foot okay. seven, five foot eight. Okay, oh. okay, okay. Like he, he's not the tallest uh, loose forward in the world. Okay, um, people are wondering your jersey. Which which jersey? Which of your World Cup winning jerseys is this? Uh, this is two thousand and seven. So only the one. Um, only the one. I need to add the other two dates onto this one. Uh, quite funnily enough, I found it a couple of weeks ago in my sort of suitcase when I, when I came over. Um, this is actually the exact same jersey that I was wearing in two thousand and seven. So to show my age a little bit, I was eleven. So it fitted you as an eleven-year-old in 07 and it. You were quite precocious. I was, I was, I was rotund. I was round <laughs> <laughs> back then, apparently. But uh, yeah, so I mean, but it, what what impressed me more about it is the fact that it's not too short. Like I was a tall lad even back then. Three. What age did you say you were? I was eleven. That is well, bad. actually turning eleven because the World Cup was. So you were ten. The World Cup was in August, and I'm born in November. So. You're now twenty. 25 25 and you're wearing you're wearing a top that ostensibly fit you when you were 10 yeah and I did have a growth spurt between then <laughs> yeah no I, I, I was just I, I actually questioned whether or not this was, was actually my jersey but my brothers both have their jerseys in uh, in my parents home my, my dad still has his jersey and we never got anyone else with any other jersey so this is legitimately the only one that I've you ever need worn you see that image of you are you playing any club rugby in Dublin if anybody out there is, is looking for recruits <laughs> <laughs> that was a serious question. I'm sure you could, um, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of clubs in the AAL who would be like, oh, just come down. Wanda Hoko who you can, can play eight. You can play two, you can I play mean, eight. No problem. Been no, on the wing. You used to play play front row. Now no, play play eight. <laughs> uh, so they're going to win this weekend. They've picked, so basically they've massively improved the team by the changes they've made for this weekend and you're very excited and they're going to they're finally beat Australia. Is that what you're telling me? If they can be a little bit more penetrative in the 22 and actually convert the, the pressure into points, um, take the points when they're on offer and actually score a try or two, then I'd say yes. I mean, obviously, it's a typical... If they score more than the opposition, then they'll win, obviously. But I, I think with Kenan Moodley on, he'll, he'll be a fantastic addition to the, to the sort of um, attacking mindset. And if, if they can just get the ball into the hands of Kenan Moody, get, let Jesse Creel play his type of attacking game plan. Sorry, well. we didn't even talk about him. He's this Wunderkind teenager who they've just added to the team who's like going to you know, blow up World Rugby next yeah. year in the World Cup. He so, was. sorry, this is a long answer saying yes, they're going to win. Uh, I'm hopeful of, yes. <laughs> okay. M make, make it a four-point win. <laughs> All right, 8.39 this morning. SKG, thanks very much for that. OTB AM. With Gillette, get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.